Welcome to episode 29 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we'll focus on the fight between the People's Republic of Whitefish and the state of Montana, and you'll never guess whose side we'll choose. Let's talk all about how you're not the boss of me with our host, Tammy Fisher. But first, a special thanks to our loyal listener, Donna, from the great state of Texas. Thank you, Donna, for your kind contribution to the show. We really appreciate you listening. Thanks, Donna. We really like you, although Texas is very flat. That's all I know about Texas. That's it. They Every have time a, they, I've been there. They have a terrific governor. Oh, they do have a good governor. And the barbecue there was quite tasty when I was there. So, okay, yeah. good to know. Anyway, thanks, Donna. You rock. Appreciate that. Appreciate all the support from our great listeners. Today, we're going to talk about local control and what that really means to us Republicans. And fundamental to the Republican platform and ideology is local control. Conservative Republicans believe the government that governs the least governs the best. And we believe the federal government shouldn't try to regulate what Montana does within its borders. And likewise, that the state government should not tell local government, city and county government, what local government can do within their jurisdictional boundaries. As the Republican platform advises, quote, relieving the burden and expense of punishing government regulations by returning to the people and the states the control that belongs to them. It's the control and the power to make their own decisions about what's best for themselves and their families and communities, end quote. That's what local control is about, respecting the autonomy of the closest level of government to the people within the jurisdictional boundaries. Even when local government does stupid stuff, really enormously stupid stuff, it's not for another level of government to intercede. That's a Republican principle, and that principle doesn't change when we don't like what local government does. The fix is not to look to state government to regulate the issues already regulated in a city or county government. The fix is to change city or county leadership to form a better local governing body. If we play hopscotch with local regulation, using the state legislature to create mandates on local government, we create chaos, heavy-handed government overreach, and we violate our conservative Republican principles. So this leads us to House Bill 259, an act prohibiting a local government from requiring housing fees or the dedication of real property for the purposes of providing housing for specified income levels or sale prices. This also prohibits zoning regulations that require housing fees or the dedication of real property for the purposes of providing housing for specified income levels or sales prices. House Bill 259 is being introduced by Representative Sue Vinton of Billings and is co-sponsored by Senator Carl Glimm of Flathead County. It was drafted in response to the activities of the Whitefish City Council. So the two legislators that don't like the regulations adopted by the Whitefish City Council don't even live in Whitefish and have no ties to Whitefish. Other than for Carl Glimm, Whitefish is just in Flathead County where he also happens to reside. 
except he doesn't reside in the district he supposedly represents. However, I do. And as a conservative Republican, I can tell you that there is not a universe that exists where I am comfortable with Carl Glimm representing me or speaking for me. But that's for a future podcast. The senator who represents Whitefish and the areas just outside Whitefish is Keith Regeer. Seems odd that Senator Regeer is not the co-sponsor of this legislation, but we hope that's because he recognizes that sponsoring this legislation is de facto supporting government overreach and violates Republican principles of local control. I would note that Dave Fern is a representative in Whitefish, and so before any of this legislation is passed or considered, I think it would be wise for anyone concerned about this to contact Dave Fern and Keith Regeer with your thoughts, in particular because they represent the city of Whitefish and should be representing the city of Whitefish's desires in the state legislature. Anyway, the city of Whitefish is governed by a city council, and I got to tell you, Whitefish is the epitome of, from a government control standpoint, the Burton Ernie Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other. Whitefish is nothing like the rest of Flathead County or its cities or towns. I've never been a fan of how the Whitefish local government regulates. Having been the mayor of the city of Kalispell and as a resident of Flathead County and as someone who has actually developed property in Whitefish, I promise I will never, ever, not ever live in that town. I think it's overregulated. I think they have misused tax increment financing funds. And they are far too activist for my taste. But I'm a blue-collar girl, and that's not ever going to change. So because I don't like how the Whitefish City Council governs, I don't live there. And if I wanted to live there, I would actively try to change the makeup of the city council and support candidates that align with my way of thinking and the Republican platform. What I wouldn't do, though, is go to the state government and ask it to tell the Whitefish City Council, how to behave and what it can and can't do with respect to housing within its jurisdiction. So this bill is intended to repeal the inclusionary zoning regulations that the Whitefish City Council adopted in 2019. These regulations require new housing developers to include 20% of new housing units as permanently, quote, affordable. This was a new mandate that if you develop a subdivision, you have to set aside 20% of the lots as low or moderate income, which means a restriction on your pricing of one-fifth of your lots that you develop and sell. Whitefish used to make this voluntary, but because land developers are in the game for profit and not altruistic purposes, developers really never volunteered to lose money on 20% of their lots. Developers don't like it when local government places mandates on the sale prices of their lots or spec homes, and I think it's totally ineffective at the goal of creating affordable housing. It's a huge deterrent to developers to continue to develop in a community with these types of restrictions. So the penalty to the city that has inclusionary zoning regulations is developers stop developing because it's cost prohibitive and they can't generate the return they need for the risk that they take in real estate market pricing being what they need in order to turn a profit and not go broke. And I don't feel sorry for developers. Hell, I've developed a subdivision in Whitefish with partners. It was the most painful process, and it was considered a, quote, simple subdivision. There was absolutely nothing complex about the plan, 
and yet it was time consuming, put me out on a financial limb that I lost sleep over. And even when it was done, and even though we had sold all the lots before we even got preliminary plat, the experience was so horrible that I promised to never develop in Whitefish ever again. And I made a great profit on that subdivision. But the regulations and experience was enough of a deterrent. No, thank you. I would guess that the new inclusionary zoning rules will have the same effect. Developers will look at those rules and the compendium of others instituted by the city of Whitefish. And I guess Bozeman also has the same rules, but those developers will take a pass. This is what happens when government goes too far in getting involved in private enterprise. The city will ultimately suffer for it. But the reasons why Representative Vinton got involved in what was happening in Whitefish and Bozeman are precisely the reasons why she shouldn't get involved as a Republican. She said to the Flathead Beacon, quote, I haven't conducted the research, but inclusionary zoning hasn't been particularly successful in our state. They have implemented programs in Whitefish and in Bozeman, but it hasn't really done what the proponents intended, end quote. And she says that having admitted to not doing any of the research. So that obviously is problem number one. When you're proposing a change to the law, you should do research in advance of the change to the law. So if the regulations in Whitefish and Bozeman aren't successful, then I would hazard to guess that they will fail on their own terms. Why does state government need to be involved? Because builders want to develop or build in Whitefish and Bozeman and the regulations make it too expensive? The market takes care of that. Don't build there then. If you can't make a nut off building, walk away. Then see how the market responds. The regulations ultimately will be repealed based upon market forces or because the builders diligently work to change the face of city government. But it's none of the state's business how Whitefish manages its housing needs. Whitefish will learn the lesson of be careful what you wish for on its own. Because builders will walk away and build just outside of Whitefish city limits, where county regulations are much more reasonable and are based upon Republican principles of less government, less regulation, and free market. And this is a lesson for all Republicans, especially those who are elected. Your constituents will come to you to solve their problems. You must exercise critical thinking and refer back to the platform. You cannot solve the problems of society. And you don't get to be big brother to local government. Just like the federal government shouldn't be big brother to state government. And as different as Montana is from New York, Whitefish is equally different from Glasgow. You cannot create sweeping regulations that have no real applicability to all cities in Montana. We prefer freedom to regulation, and that includes state regulation of local government. Whitefish should be free to do whatever it wants within its jurisdiction. It's not for the state to tell a local government how to act. The state provides a basic framework within which every city and county must function. But that's it. So when a constituent comes to you and asks for help, Critically think about your role. Critically think about who is in the best position to help. Is it you in your role or someone else? What is the best mechanism to solve the problem without violating Republican principles? Should you allow the free market forces to change behavior? Or do government mandates restricting communities from freedom of self-govern create a slippery slope? 
the reason why I was elected mayor of Kalispell really had absolutely nothing to do with me. It had to do with the public being exasperated with too many regulations and too much spending. When I was elected, I came into a city government that was on the verge of bankruptcy and a city government that had enacted regulations that killed development. So how does a city pay its way? Through property taxes. So if property isn't being developed, you don't have revenues, property taxes to pay for services. One of our development killing regulations was the implementation of impact fees. And we needed vertical development desperately to pay for the costs of government services and buildings that were built way beyond what was necessary and all bonded for with debt payments coming due. Hell, the city didn't even own its own city hall because the costs to build were so excessive, it had to enter into a lease option agreement to fund the cost of the building. So one of the first things we did is repeal development-killing regulations that did nothing but deter businesses from locating in the city and deterred vertical construction. Cities figure it out once the bills come due. I promise. Residents don't think their taxes should escalate because of bad city government. And when they get mad enough, they change who is in charge of running city government. But these are not issues under the state government's jurisdiction. The state government, consistent with Republican principles, must exercise restraint even when it doesn't feel good. Because the principles stand and not adhering to them creates a slippery slope, hypocrisy, and impacts the Republican Party's credibility over the long term. There's no question that affordable housing is an issue. Many of our Montana communities face an affordable housing problem, and each community has its own dynamics that play a role in how those communities are addressing the issues. I have not ever encountered a government housing program that is particularly effective at implementing a long-term solution to affordable housing. Government involvement in housing, including the mortgage lending business, typically only increases the cost of housing. Government vouchers set an artificial base rent for landlords, which increases landlord profits and the cost of housing in the local market. Government-backed mortgages increase the cost of purchasing homes. When government creates land trusts, that has the immediate effect of housing people, but prevents those that purchase the houses from profiting from the purchase. So they are housed, but they don't have the benefit the rest of us do when they go to sell as they are artificially capped at the profit they can make, which is usually about 3% to roll over into better housing. So these programs are effective at getting people housed, but these government programs keep them in the same economic status, perpetuating the cycle of poverty. And do I know what the fix is? Nope. It's a complicated mess, and each community needs to figure out if government should address the issue or if the community has another mechanism to help. I recommend anyone interested in housing dynamics, and particularly if you're a landlord, to read the book Evicted, which analyzes the socioeconomic factors at play in the housing field. In addition, there's several documentaries on PBS, yes, PBS, about government housing programs that discuss how good intentions result in perpetuating the cycle of poverty. With respect to HB 259, state intervention in city government is not the answer. The state must respect the cities. Think of it. Valir may want to pay to recruit people to live in Valir. Should state government step in for Valir and tell me in Kalispell I have to pay the recruitment fees for Valir? I don't think so. That's on Valir. 
But should state government provide a revolving loan fund to help every community in Montana to develop as it chooses? Yep, that helps every community and is fair to all of us. But state government taking action to restrict the lawful authority of local government? Hard pass. We already have a good general framework for cities to function within. Leave them to their autonomy within that framework. Don't add top-down regulation like Democrats in Congress are trying to do. Leave the cities alone. Respect the ballot box. Let the residents of the cities decide if the city has overreached and elect a new council that can roll back regulations. Montana values and the Republican platform respect autonomy. And that includes autonomy and local government regulation. So here at Montana Values Podcast, we are a hard no on House Bill 259. Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Become a sponsor of the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com, locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Subscribe to the show on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Parler. Our handle is at MT Values. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.